Today's scripture reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verse 24 to 37. Uh, please rise for the Gospel reading. But in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather the elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when this time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God. Please be seated. I was so excited to be here again. I was able to preach here not too long ago, and I was so filled with joy listening to the beautiful music. Some played the organ and the piano so well. We had a trumpet. We had such a warm welcome. It was such a happy time for me that I jumped at the opportunity to preach here again. And Pastor Lee is able to be, Julie is able to be away for a happy occasion this time. And so it's a good thing to be here. In 2014, Marcia and I were invited to go along with the district superintendent and the bishop and a whole group of recently ordained clergy and their spouses on a trip to the Holy Land to see the places where Jesus walked, the places where Jesus was, was a little boy, where he was born, where he grew up, the Sea of Galilee, all the wonderful things that we read about in the Bible. And part of that trip involved uh, going to the site of the old temple. Not much of the temple is left. The part of the western wall is there, and people still go there and pray every day. And right around the corner from the western wall, the, the southwestern corner, there is an archaeological site where you can still see also some of the great stones in the building project started by King Herod, who called himself the Great. And the stones there are so big. The stones in the wall at the corner are at least as long as a pew and about as tall, maybe taller, maybe four feet tall and as thick. They must have weighed tons and tons and you can't imagine how such stones could be moved, let alone stacked on top of each other to build such a huge building. And I was just in awe. I had heard that the temple was a great building, but how can you move such huge building stones 
And I thought, look at those stones. And then I remembered this story. Because in the Bible, in Mark's account, Jesus had entered into Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday. Big procession, big crowds gathered there, and he went into the temple to look around. After he had looked around, a number of things happened. A bunch of stories happened. Jesus talks to the crowd, he preaches, he goes on, but he goes back to the temple, and the disciples look at the stones of the temple. I say, look at these stones. Look at these amazing buildings. Isn't this amazing? Just like me. And Jesus said, you're impressed with this? This is all going to be torn down. It'll all fall down. It'll all be destroyed, not a stone on top of another. It reminds them and us that everything made by people is temporary. Everything we think of as amazing accomplishment is just passing in time. But then the disciples went, well, when's that going to happen? When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And Jesus recited a short version of the things that had been written by all these prophets, starting with Isaiah and then Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Micah, and then by a whole bunch of other people who didn't make it into the Bible. There are like tens or twenties of these books called apocalypses. That's a Greek word meaning revelations, unveiling, revealing. Talking about disaster upon disaster leading to God's intervention in the world. That kind of writing became, became popular after the people of Israel had been dragged off into exile by the Babylonian army. King Nebuchadnezzar II, 500 years or so before the birth of Jesus. It was a traumatic thing, a terrible, sad trauma. People were dragged away from their homes, <coughs> taken hundreds of miles on foot to live in a foreign place. They didn't know if they would ever get to go home again. And these kinds of things by their prophets reminded them that as bad as things ever look, no matter how bad things look, God is still in charge of God's creation. God doesn't get destroyed by evil. God's love is still there. And God wins in the end. No matter how bad things look. But when everything get really bad, people would start writing again about disaster upon disaster before God's triumph. And people start looking for the signs of this disaster. And Jesus recited some of them to his disciples. You know, they, there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be people claiming to be God's holy one and falsely saying that. There will be people turning against their brothers and their sisters. You'll be dragged in front of authorities and frightened by what's going on. The moon will get dark, the sun will get dark, and yet you never know when these things happen. You never know. You can't calculate when these things will happen. You ever hear people trying to calculate when the end times will come? When the second coming of Christ will be? They've looked in the Bible, they've read the book of Daniel, they've, they've made notes in Revelation, they can figure it out. There are preachers every now and then who will say, it's going to be on October 28th. 
We know when it'll happen from the Bible. You can tell, October 28th. And then if it doesn't happen, we need to go back and recalculate again when it'll happen. We start thinking that way when things get terrible. We start wondering, who is the Antichrist? Who is the one rising up who's going to cause all this desolation? When will it happen? Is it now? Is it now? We forget that Jesus told the disciples all that time ago, you don't know, you can't know, you can't calculate when things will end for the world or when things will end for you individually. You can't know. He says, but learn the lesson from the fig tree. Fig tree, what's with that? Fig tree, this is the third time fig tree has come up in the last chapter in Mark, in the same chapter. Jesus is walking along with the disciples after he's come into Jerusalem and he sees a fig tree, he says, I'd like to have a fig. And he goes over there and there's no figs on it. And he looks at the tree and says, this tree will never bear fruit again. And he goes, well, it doesn't like fig trees? What's with that? And they came back a few days later and the fig tree had withered and was dead. The disciples were thinking, wow! Jesus just said it wasn't going to bear fruit and now that tree is a goner. It's just done. He cursed the fig tree. He killed the fig tree for nothing. It just didn't have any figs on it. Now Jesus says, learn the lesson from the fig tree. And we said, whoa, is Jesus going to sap us too? Is that what that lesson is? He says, no. He says, when you see the dry branch of the tree begin to bud, and the leaves begin to grow, and the fruit beginning to form, you know that summer is near. You know that life is back again. You know that life is back again. You know the Son of Man is there, even at the very gates. Even at the very gates. You know, we're not waiting for some cavalry to arrive on the horizon. He's right there. Right there. Thinking, so that's interesting. Jesus wants people to be awake. He wants them to be awake all the time. And he's talking about fig trees after just seeing a fig tree die. What's with that? What's with that? Certainly being awake can't mean never go to sleep. He can't mean that, right? I tried that in college. It doesn't work. You just get stupider and stupider and making more mistakes, you get foggy, you can't keep your eyes up and eventually you just fail, you go to sleep. What's he talking about? I think he means the idea is that we have to have our act together, have our lives in order. Put first things first. Think about what is important and build the habits that will let us react to crises in our life in the right way. If we have never volunteered to do anything nice, if we've never volunteered to do anything to help in the church, if we've never volunteered to help anybody get to the, get to the doctor or get to the grocery store, when somebody comes up in a crisis and says, help, help, I need your help, and it's an inconvenient moment, and you're saying, but I have to do this, but I have, should I help, should I not help, it's, it's just a coin toss what you'll do. But if we have built up habits over time of stepping up and volunteering, stepping up and helping, reaching out 
to people in need, we will react right in the moment. We will have built the character that we need. If we have made a point of helping people and apologizing to people and reaching out and reconciling with people we've been fighting with, then we won't be distressed if we suddenly have a stroke and can't talk anymore and can't make that reconciliation, can't make that amends. If we have been calling our loved ones on the phone who are far away all the time, we call our grandparents regularly, and then we find out suddenly that they have gotten sick or died, we won't be filled with remorse and regret that we didn't call earlier. We didn't call when we had the chance. Being awake is not never sleeping. Being awake is building the life that we need to be building and focusing on what's important right now all the time so that our habits are right and so that we haven't got unfinished business waiting out there, put off and put off and put off into the future. So if we can't tell when, when disaster is coming <coughs> or when the Lord's final day is or anything like that, if we can't calculate that, what should we be looking at? What signs should we be looking at if Jesus wants us to be alert? Well, if we're looking for a fig tree that was dead, springing back to life and showing, showing new leaves and new fruit, life where there was no life, hope where there was no hope, future where there was no future, then we're looking for something totally different than looking for a disaster. We're looking to try to figure out who the Antichrist is. We're looking to figure out which disaster is the worst. We're looking for Christ in the world. We're looking for Christ in the world because Christ is that branch. That brand new branch, that new shoot on the dead stump of David's father, Jesse. Right, that new life and the tree that can't be stamped out, it can't be kept dead. Jesus is alive in the world. Jesus is alive in the world no matter, no matter how bad things get and no matter how much disaster there is. When you hear stories of war, and who doesn't hear stories of war all these times? Right? You hear stories of desolation and people treating each other horribly. And who is lacking for stories of that in the news? When you hear stories about people being sad and being down and depressed in this time of year, you hear stories about people undergoing horrible mistreatment and the things just seem to be getting worse and worse and worse, those stories aren't hard to find. In terrible times or in worrisome times, I mean, just stressful times, the stories that we have to look for are the stories of life, the stories of Jesus appearing where not expected, because Christ is the unexpected good news. Born when nobody was looking, springing into the world where least expected. In the midst of disaster, right there, right next to us. Right there with us all the time, never letting us go. Christ in the world is the one who can't be destroyed. Who can't be wiped out forever. Who can't be killed and left dead. The one who is there, who brings life to us. Watch for that fig tree 
springing back to life when it looked dead. One last story about that. There was a tree in Sussex where I was a pastor in the middle of the garden. It was one of those weed trees that you show up by railroad tracks. I would go out there and cut it down, cut it down to the root, cut into the roots, and then now I got that tree. Don't you know the next spring it came back again? I went out there with that, with that ax and I hacked that thing down. I threw it in the trash. I cursed that tree. Don't you know it came back again? Just like Jesus Christ, that tree would not die and stay dead. Thanks be to God. That's what we're looking for in Advent. In a time when we get scared and worried, Jesus Christ is God's answer to that. Jesus Christ is with us at the very gates. That's what Advent is for. Lift up your heads, you mighty gates. Behold, the King of glory waits. It is a time for celebrating and a time for being awake so we don't miss that in the world today. Amen.